And I don't know what it is about this passage. I've always just connected with it and just enjoyed it. It's not really one of those like just famous favorite Bible verses or Bible stories or anything, but, uh, but I just love an element of Christ and his grace that I think it brings out as he uh, has risen. We've looked at the crucifixion. He's risen. This is the, the day that he rose, and he's going to meet with some very discouraged disciples. And I tell you what, I'm just so thankful that God meets us in our discouragement, in our difficulties, as we uh, sang just a moment ago, um, what was the song we just sang? <laughs> About telling, telling Jesus, uh, sharing it with Jesus. And um, um, the song is coming to mind. It's not the one we just sung. That's why I'm kind of like, what did we just sing? But uh, that we can cast our care on him, that we can share those things uh, uh, with the Lord. And, and I'm just so thankful for the Savior that we have. And uh, pray that this morning will be a blessing to us. And I'm in the wrong book. Let me get to the right book here. <clears throat> Luke 24, and uh, starting in verse number 13. And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus. That's two of the disciples, uh, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. And their eyes were holden that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of, uh, of commutations are these that ye have one to another? As ye walk and are sad. And one of them, uh, excuse me, and the one of them whose name was uh, Cleopas, answer, answering, saith unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem? And hast not known the things which are come to pass these, uh, there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and the, our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. And we trusted that it had been he which should be, re, uh, be re, excuse me, we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and concerning women also of our company, or certain women also of our company, made us astonished. Which were heard at, uh, which were early at the sepulchre, and when they found not his body, they came saying that they also had seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulchre and found it even so as the women had said, but him they saw not. And said unto them, O fools and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh into the village, whether they went, and he made as though he would have gone further, but they, they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward the evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and brake it and gave to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him. And he vanished out of their sight. And then it says, it goes on, and they said one to another, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened up to us the scriptures? 
And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and, they found, and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. And they told them the things which were done in the way and how he was known of them in breaking of bread. And let's pray. Our Father, I ask that you would help me today as, as I handle your word. I pray, Lord, as we look to the Lord Jesus Christ, our risen Savior, that we would uh, be met with the comfort that these disciples experience. We'd met with, met with the compassion and understanding this Jesus. And Father, would you give to us what you'd have for us today as we open your word now. We pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. This was that first Resurrection Sunday. Uh, the women first came to the tomb very early that day as we uh, looked at uh, uh, last time. And, uh, uh, and they found that Jesus had already risen by the time they got to that tomb. And at the time of our text here, day had already reached afternoon or mid-afternoon towards the end. And Jesus had already appeared to, to the women uh, and, uh, and Mary Magdalene. Bible says in Matthew 28, verse number 9, And as they uh, went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail. And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Excuse me. And they came before Jesus, and they saw uh, that the tomb was empty. And, uh, and of course, those women were so excited, they went back to the other disciples and said, uh, he's not there, he is risen, and they didn't believe them at first, and then, and then Peter and John ran, uh, uh, ran there, and I love, uh, I love John's encounter of it, as he makes a mention that, that J John beat Peter to the sepulcher, but then Peter's the one that went in first, and, uh, and just, uh, just kind of keeping the human side of things alive there, that uh, the competitive nature I'm sure that they had, John, ha he had to make note, um, and he talked about himself in the third person, by the way, he said, the disciple whom Jesus loved, uh, beat him. Uh, well, that's you, John. That's the writer of the book of John. And, and, um, but they get in there, and he's not there. And the, the clothes are, are there, uh, laid down, and the napkin is folded, and he wasn't there. The events we learn about in this text now are the two men walking to Emmaus. These were one of, not one of the 12 disciples, but one of the group of disciples. And, uh, and they were heading back to Emmaus. They were um, uh, having kind of a lively conversation. They were confused. They were distraught. They were discouraged, no doubt. They were kind of wondering, what do we do now? We've followed this man. We've looked at his teachings, and, and now he's dead. Now he's gone. And Jesus shows up, and he hides himself from these men and just begins kind of talking with them and keeps them from being able to recognize him at first. And uh, I just want to say, we'd be wise to remember that Jesus is always with us whether or not we recognize him. God's got a plan, and he knows what he's doing. And as we see in our text here, look at uh, verse number 17. It says, And he said to them, What manner of uh, commutations are these that you have one with another as you walk and are sad? We see here some very confused travelers, some sad travelers. And from Jesus' question, it's very apparent these men were sad at his recent events. He, he shows up, and the tone was down, and they were just discouraged. And, um, and, well, why were they discouraged? Well, obvious, because of Christ's death. They'd been following him, and, uh, and he's now dead, and, and they felt hopeless. Uh, verse number 18, and one of them, whose name was uh, uh, Cleopas, uh, answering, and said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass in these days? And he said unto them, What things? 
And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty indeed in word before God and the people, and, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. And I love it how Jesus uh, comes up to them, uh, you know, well, you know, all these things that have happened. And he's like, what things? You know, have you not been watching the news? Have you not been on social media? Do you not know what's going on? And, you know, this, this very kind of a strange saying, you know, maybe, maybe he was a stranger and uh, was just in town for the feasts and whatnot. And so they're kind of like, you know, Jesus of Nazareth, how, how have you not heard of this? <laughs> you know, they're going the same direction on the road and, uh, and no doubt from Jerusalem. How have you not heard? Uh, uh, this thing. And, and so then they began saying some things about Jesus. This Jesus, we were following him. He was mighty in word. He was mighty in deed. And, uh, and, and they, they, they recognized that he was the Christ. And, and they, they said he was a prophet, meaning one who was moved by the, the Spirit of God in this, uh, uh, the, the word there that's translated. Um, it, it, it declares to men that he was, had received inspiration from God. This, this man was mighty uh, in his word, in his deed. This is who Jesus was. And they're kind of proclaiming him. Then they talked about how he was crucified. He was taken by the rulers and then the chief priests, and they, they crucified him. Acts 2.23, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. As Peter was preaching to those uh, Jews that were there and he said, he said uh, uh, this is on your hands, guys. This is that Jesus whom you slain, you crucified, you've rejected. And the men would have been very confused why the religious leaders would crucify the Son of God. They, they saw that he was mighty in word. They saw that he was mighty in deed. By the way, uh, this was one of the things that Nicodemus noticed about Jesus. He said, no man can do these things except God sends him, except God's with him. And they recognized there's something different about this teacher. He spoke with authority. He wasn't just parroting what the others had said, uh, other, other rabbis that had come and gone, but, but he spoke with authority as one who was very intimate with the word of God. And by the way, Jesus is the word of God. And he, and he, and he spoke in this, this kind of way, and he, and he gave these miracles. He, they saw the lame walk. They saw the lepers cleanse. They saw the blind see. They saw, they saw all these things. Even the dead rise. Yet the religious leaders would take him and crucify him. They're saying to Jesus, where have you been? This Jesus of Nazareth was crucified. He was a mighty prophet in word and in deed. And that they took him. These were some very confused men. And because of the death of Christ, and because of a loss of hope, verse number 21, and we trusted that it had been he that should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, this day is the third day since these things were done. So three days now in this despair, three days in this discouraging mode. They said they thought he should have been the Redeemer. They'd obviously found hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. They believed on him as the Messiah, the one who came to redeem. But now with his death, it seemed that all hope was gone. By the way, I want to say this, that the hope was in the right place. The loss of hope was in their lack of understanding. You know, the same, same trap we can fall into. Our hope can be in the right place. My hope's in the Lord, and I know he'll never let me down, but, but look at these circumstances. Look at what's going on. There is no answer to this. There's no way out, and, and, uh, and, and, and we begin to lose sight of hope. By the way, what is the opposite of hope? It's worry. 
It's fretting, it's anxiety, it's, it's, it's not, uh, you know, it's, it, it's being so caught up with, uh, with, with what we're seeing with our eyes that we're missing what our hope is actually in. Our hope's in the Lord. And so these guys, they see all the circumstances and how could God fix this? How could things get back on track? We, we thought it was going to go a certain way. They'd hoped for a redeemer. We see that in verse 21. They trusted that he had been he, had been he which uh, should have redeemed Israel. These men once had hope, but their hope was, was lost, and uh, leaving them feeling very confused. And, uh, and, and they, they saw him. This, the word redeemer, by the way, was an Old Testament word. This was a word that was used in Isaiah's prophecy, and this was a word describing the chosen one of God that would come and redeem Israel. This, he, he fit all the criteria. He checked all the boxes. We really thought this was him, and that hope was gone. They hoped for a redeemer. They were confident that Jesus was going to be the national redeemer. They were looking for a political Messiah. And by the way, part of the prophecies did... Did uh, suggest that, but those prophecies. That's interesting. Is about uh, the prophecies in the Old Testament. Some had to do with the first coming. Some had to do with the second coming. In the first coming, he came to redeem mankind. Uh, he came to give his life a ransom for many. He came not to be ministered to, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. But the second time he comes. He is going to rule and reign from the throne of his father, David. And, and, the, the, and, and they were under such oppression, and the Romans were there, and, and maybe this is him. Blessed is he which comes in the name of the Lord. Surely this is the one who's, who's come to redeem us and to, to free us from this Roman occupation and, the, and the, 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 the hard hand of the Romans upon us, and this must be him. And that was the mindset of many of them. And John eight thirty six, and Jesus answered, he said, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered uh, to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. In other words, it's not going to come that way. By the way, something about Jesus bringing his kingdom in, he doesn't need us. It's, uh, it's funny, the Bible talks about um, how he'll be riding with 10,000 of his saints on white horses, coming to that day of Armageddon, that great battle. And then it talks about how he's going to slay the nations with, uh, with his tongue. It's going to proceed out of his mouth as a double-edged sword. We're just there for the show. <laughs> we're not doing anything. You mean we're going to fight? No. No, Jesus is going to do it all. They, they had not understood the very mission of Jesus. Like many of the Jews... The men here realized that Jesus was special, but did not understand that he was to be their resurrected Savior. That he, that he was going to die, be buried, and then rise again, conquering sin and death. Romans 1, 4, and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. Hey, when he rose from the grave that day, up from the grave he arose, what happened? He declared to be the Son of God with power. He is the Redeemer. He is the, 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 the fulfillment of those prophecies. He is the Son of God with power. With what power? The power to save. That same chapter of Romans that I'm not, he says, verse 14 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God to everyone that believeth. 
to the Jew first, also the Greek. Well, what is that power of this resurrected Savior declared to be the Son of God with power? It's the power to save. It's the power to redeem. It's the power to take you from death unto life, from darkness unto light. That's the power. And that's what they missed. Many believe that Jesus was a good teacher, teaching strong moral principles. Muslims believe that Jesus was one of the greatest prophets. I find it kind of comical. They, 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 they esteem Jesus as a prophet. They believe Mary was a virgin. They believe that Jesus did miracles. None of those things are attributed to their greatest prophet, Muhammad. Muhammad did no miracles in the, according to the Quran. There was nothing miraculous about him, and, 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 and they missed it. I love, there was a testimony I heard. It was awesome. Uh, a Muslim man got saved by finding Jesus in the Quran. You say, well, how did that happen? He was reading his Quran, and he reads about a virgin that gave birth to a child. He's reading in the Quran, and apparently there's an account in the Quran of Jesus as a boy that finds a dead bird that fell out of a tree, and he breathed into the bird, and it came back alive. Okay, I'm not saying that's what Jesus did. That's what the Quran said he did. It attributed a few other miracles to Jesus. And as he's reading through this, he, said, he started thinking to himself, boy, Jesus did miracles. I have not seen any miracles in here that Muhammad did. Maybe I should see what other writings there are about Jesus. And he started reading the Bible and realized there is one God, one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And uh, that Muslim man got saved because the Quran told him about Jesus, a greater prophet than Muhammad. <laughs> I love it. He, these men, they were very confused, not only because Christ had died, it's been three days now, they lost hope, but also they were very confused with the testimony of the women. That's what they, they kind of share next with Jesus here. And they, 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 they were astonished at us at this. Uh, it says, yea, and certain women also, verse 22, of our company made us astonished when we were at the sepulcher. So apparently these guys went to the sepulcher with them. And the word there, they made, made astonished. It means to, to, to throw out a position, to displace, to be amazed. And, uh, in other words, they, they, they didn't know how to respond to this. Uh, we might say it this way. They were in shock. They didn't know how to respond to this, this news as it was brought to them. And, and uh, uh, Acts 26, verse number 8, it says, Why should, should it be that a thing terrible with you, that God should raise the dead? And this was this is really the challenge. And, and all the way later in Acts 26, he's challenging them with this thought, you know, why would this be an amazing thing? Why would this be a shock to you? This was a part of God's plan that he would raise the dead. That Jesus himself would be the firstborn from the dead. These disciples... They heard from a woman when they found the empty tomb that Jesus was risen. And remember their initial thought. They were amazed. They were, they were this can't be. This is, you know, <laughs> they didn't believe these women at first. They were astonished. They were confused at this. Verse 23, and when they found not his body, they came saying uh, um, that they had also seen a vision of angels and said that he was alive and certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it, even, even so as the women had said, but him they saw not. This is the account that they're, they're retelling. And the women had searched for the body. Likewise, the disciples had searched for the Lord's body. They didn't find him. And, uh, and the natural thinking would be, you know, did somebody take him? Where is he? Where is the Lord Jesus? 
They, they, the word there, uh, found, carries the idea of a thorough examination. They couldn't find him. They, this was not something that they, you know, they searched high and low. It wasn't just they saw an empty tomb and, well, he's gone. No, they started looking. They started inquiring. They started asking around. So Christ begins to clarify some things. Look at verse number 25. And he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all the, what the prophets had spoken. See, when Jesus taught the men he, uh, who he was, he used the prophets. He expounded on them the writings of Scripture. He went to the source. You know, when he says the word fools, by the way, Jesus was not insulting them. All right, I, wanna, I want you to understand that. He wasn't saying, you idiots. <laughs> he wasn't saying that. The word fool there uh, means they lacked wisdom. They lacked understanding. They were slow of hearing. They didn't understand some things. And so, so he's going to share some things with them. And uh, in verse number 25, it says this, that when he said, that, uh, then he said to them, O fools and slow of heart, believe all the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And uh, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Now, I want to make a very important, point, a very important point here. Jesus was risen. You agree with that? This is where we're at in the text? Okay, make sure we're all on the same page. Jesus was risen. He was literally with these disciples. Yet, he did not show him them himself. They, he kept himself secret to them. And you know what he does to prove his resurrection? He goes to the Word. He could have done like he did with the disciples. He could have done like he did with Thomas. Look at my hands. Look at my side. What does he do? What does the Bible say? Remember the words of Scripture. He says, you guys are, are foolish in the sense that you lack understanding. You're slow of hearing. You didn't understand what you've been taught all those years in synagogue, all those years under the rabbis. You've missed some things. Um, Numbers 21, 8 and 9, And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, uh, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass, and put it on a pole, and it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, and beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. We sing that song in the song. Look and live, my brother live. Look to Jesus now and live. And we see a beautiful uh, display, illustration of the, of the gospel. Uh, Isaiah 7, 14, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Shall call his name Emmanuel. We see the, the sign that was given to the Jews of who the Redeemer would be. He would be a, born of a virgin. Here's the sign. Here's what's given to you. Isaiah 53, 5 and 6, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Here's the amazing thing. Jesus, and we don't know which passages he went to, but he goes to the scriptures. He goes to that Old Testament that they had and said, well, look, what about this passage? Doesn't this sound like what he did? Doesn't this sound like who he was? Doesn't this sound like Jesus? And he begins pointing to them the scriptures. Does it line up, guys? Uh, you are disciples. You, are, you believe he could have been the redeemer. And so let's just ask these questions. Let's take a litmus test. Does he fit the bill? I saw a video one time. It was in Hebrew, so I had to read the subtitles to keep up with it. But um, uh, it, was a, uh, it was a missionary uh, witnessing to some Jews over there in Israel. 
And uh, he was, he was uh, going up to these people, and he had a camera and everything, and he said, what if I were to tell you there is a chapter in the, in the Torah that you have never read? And I said, really? He said, oh yeah, there's a chapter in the Torah that you've never read, and uh, I'd like to share it with you. Okay. And he starts reading to them Isaiah 53. And Isaiah 53, if you're familiar with it, uh, you can't miss that it's pointing to Jesus Christ. In fact, for many years, they accused uh, the, the early Christians of adding Isaiah 53 later on. And, uh, and uh, uh, years later, uh, within this last century, they discovered the Dead Sea Scrolls, and, and, uh, which, which dated B.C. And uh, what they found in those Dead Sea Scrolls was Isaiah 53. There it was, pointing to Jesus Christ. And he starts reading these passages of Jesus to these, uh, these Jews. And, uh, and he, said, he said to them, who is this speaking of? And they said, well, it sounds like they're speaking of Messiah, whoever Messiah is going to be. And he kept reading some more. And he said, um, he said, is there anybody in history that this sounds like that could, could meet these criteria? And one of the Jews in particular said, uh, well, I don't want to say it, but it sounds a little bit like Jesus. And uh, boy, I just, I get goosebumps watching this video of this, this missionary doing a very great job. By the way, um, I look forward uh, to uh, tonight's message. Uh, the preacher that's coming comes from a line of rabbis, and he's saved. He's a, uh, he's a, uh, a Bible preacher, and, um, and he's going to share some things about Israel, and, and uh, looking forward to that, definitely. But, um, um, but Jesus is kind of sharing these things with them. Isn't the, does this line up? Does this meet the bill? Jesus expounded them the scriptures that were written about himself. Uh, Adrian Rogers said this, what he is doing now is putting their dependence upon, uh, not upon his physical presence with them, but upon the word of God. And folks, if there's, if there's one thing that I've tried to emphasize, if there's one thing I've tried to teach, it's that this, our hope is not in our experience. Our hope is not in a dream or a vision or a revelation. Our hope is in the revealed word of God, what God has given to us, what God has preserved for us through the ages. That is what God has given to us to put our confidence in. It's in them you find salvation. It's in them you learn of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in them that you have life. David Livingston was a missionary in Africa. He uh, brought his library with him when he headed over there, 73 books. And he had uh, his equipment and he had uh, some animals that he was using to travel, transport him. He had to go to a pretty rough area and he was realizing that uh, uh, the terrain was going to be too much to bring all these books. So every night he began offing one of these books. He'd go through it and, and uh, just say, well, I've got to get rid of this book. Got to get rid of this book. Apparently he had not gone through that, uh, that course of that lady that kind of teaches you how to declutter your house who says you're supposed to have 12, no more than 12 books or something like that. Uh, listen, I don't need that kind of negativity in my life. <clears throat> so he starts getting rid of these books one at a time and he gets down to the very last book and he says this one is the indispensable book. I can never get rid of the word of God. You see, all those books can go but there's one book that can't go, the Bible. Hey, listen, don't put your confidence in self. When those difficult times come, when those trials of life come, when the, the times where you're lacking hope like these disciples comes, uh, uh, and you, don't, you, you feel like you're, you failed, don't put your hope in your experience and don't put your hope in what you can see with your physical eyes. Put your hope, bring it back to God's word. Jesus very easily could have said, guys, ta-da, I'm here. Now he said, what does the Bible say? It speaks of me. Let's go back to the word. Let's go back to the Bible. 
he showed them the prophecies, and they showed them, uh, uh, or they, they, they needed clarification with the prophecies. They needed clarification concerning the place. Look at verse 26. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and entered into his glory? Look, if he's the Christ, which the word Christ there was not his name, that's his title. If he's the Christ, would he not go to glory? Remember when he said to, to Mary, he said, don't touch me yet, I've not ascended to the Father. Apparently somewhere along the way he did do that and he comes, you know, when he comes back and tells the disciples to go ahead and touch him and go ahead and see uh, these things. And, and um, uh, you know, he says to them, should he not have ascended to glory? Should he not have received that glory, that majesty, is what the word means? And, and Jesus explains these men, why he suffered, why he died, it was all to redeem men's souls, not to redeem them politically. Romans 6 verse 9, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death had no more dominion over him. Philippians 2, 8 and 9, and being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also highly exalted him, given a name which is above every name. And we see the comfort of the disciples. Verse number 28 here. And they drew nigh into the village where they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. But, as they, but they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. I see here, I love this, this, this companionship of Jesus. Notice what it says there. They had to invite him in. Jesus made as though he's going to keep going on. Now, did Jesus want to come in? I, would, I think that's a safe assumption. He joined up with these disciples for a purpose, for a reason. But, uh, but this is an interesting thing about Jesus. See, he doesn't force his way in. He doesn't, you know, hey guys, I'm coming to your house. Yeah, I know he did that with uh, Zacchaeus. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, he, he makes, he's going to go on. You guys enjoyed our conversation, you know? And they said, please, and they constrained him. Would you stay with us? Abide with us. Come on in. And uh, they invite him in. And what a wonderful invitation that was. Revelation 3, uh, 3 and verse number 20. That wonderful passage to a backslidden church. And he says, hey, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will uh, hear my voice and open the door, I'll come into him and uh, sup with him and he with me. And uh, that invitation still stands. Hey, it doesn't really matter what's going on around you. If you respond, if you'll hear that knock and you respond, God says, Jesus says, I'll come in. And that's what happened here. They said, come on in, come. And they constrained him and he abode with them. He was very interested with them. The Bible tells us that he sat at meat. He sat at meat with them. That means he, 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 he went in to eat with them. And he stayed. And notice what it says there in uh, uh, verse 29. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and brake and gave, gave it to them. Now this is interesting. Who's the guest? Jesus. What's Jesus acting like here? The host. What do we just read in Revelation? I will come in and sup with him and he with me. He, he kind of takes charge and he takes the bread and he blesses it and hands it out, dishes it out. And he kind of takes charge here and, 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 and gives it to them and they eat. And um, uh, verse number, uh, where are we at? 30. And he gave it to them. I just find that interesting. He kind of, kind of takes over. Notice, 
how he comforts them. Not only does he come and spends more time with them in that evening, but he shares with them his completed work. Verse 31, their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight. They realized who he was. Their eyes were open. They understood. The word there uh, for know him is the idea of the knowledge coming to the surface, coming uh, to the understanding. Wow, this was Jesus. He was showing us all this stuff. And, and, uh, and at some point that night, those men's eyes were open. They realized they had just spent time with Jesus. Have you, ever, have you ever had one of those very vivid dreams? And it's a very happy dream. And then you start to kind of slowly wake up and you're like, no, I'm in my happy place. I don't want it to go away. Am I the only one? I'm trying to, just a little longer, please, right? And I can just imagine as they start to realize, that was Jesus. Hey, don't go. No, he's gone. I mean, uh, you know, this hope's restored, and this was Jesus, and we were just with him, and we didn't realize it. And, and uh, you know, this is all now kind of coming together, and, uh, and uh, they rejoiced at that. Look at verse number 32. And they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us? Well, he talked with us, by the way, while he opened unto us the scriptures. By the way, can you imagine being taught the scriptures from Jesus? So different from any rabbi, so different from any teacher. But they realized that Jesus had risen from the dead and had completely fulfilled the gospel. As they reflected on the scriptures that he taught them, they realized that he taught them about themselves. The Bible says there, they said, did not our hearts burn within us? The word there, burn, is the idea to be, to be set aflame, this, this passion, if you would. And, and let me just ask you this. When was the last time the word of God caused your heart to burn within you? When was the last time, uh, whether it be uh, uh, just that fire kindled for a love for God or, or maybe conviction uh, uh, about your walk with God, or when was the last time that that, kind, that fire was kindled and it burned within you? And uh, how I long personally to go back to those times, to go back to that place. Oh, set my soul afire, Lord. Uh, getting back to the word of God. And they were saying, when God, when Jesus himself opened up the word of God, by the way, when you open up this blessed book, you have the the Holy Spirit of God uh, with you as you're reading through it and he's there and he's saying, let me show you this and let me tell you about this and here's what you're gonna do with this and, uh, and it ought to burn within your heart. Folks, don't let it get ritualistic. Don't let it get just, oh, I'm, I gotta check off my box for my Bible in a year. Folks, this is the words of God. It's a living book from a living God. Let it take a hold of your heart. Let it burn within you. I love what Jeremiah said. His words were like a fire in my bones. Let the word of God take root. Let it marinate there. And let it become a fire in your bones. We need some passion in Christianity today. We need some passion for the word of God. We need some passion for the things of God. They not only rejoiced in his teaching, but they, they realized they understood his resurrection. These men realized the same Jesus had been crucified days earlier had risen from the dead. He was alive. This changes everything, folks. The resurrection changes everything. Why do we worship on Sundays? Because the resurrection changes everything. A friend of mine had a, uh, a Seventh-day Adventist uh, 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 put a uh, sticker on the door of their church, and it, and it said, um, Jesus had never changed his mind about the Sabbath, and had a whole bunch of Old Testament passages. And uh, and, uh, you know, it's funny how the Bible will correct a lot of our wrong thinking. And uh, you can go through the New Testament and find out they met on the first day of the week. You can go through uh, early church history and find out they met on the first day of the week. But, uh, but tell me one place where a Gentile was told to worship on the Sabbath. 
And, the, and if that was the case, the apostle to the Gentiles probably would have mentioned it in one of his epistles. But you find none. No, they worshiped on the first day of the week. Why? Because of, uh, of our risen Savior, because of the new covenant, uh, because, uh, because he, is, he is dead and is alive forevermore. Amen. And, and, uh, and, and then this was our, 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 our um, uh, it was no longer, to put it this way, a day of rest. It was a day of service. It was a day of worship. It was a day of, of, uh, of ministry is what the, the, the Lord's day became. And he rose from the dead. And I love what 1 Corinthians 15 says in uh, verse 13 and 14. But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then our preaching vain, and your faith also is vain. Folks, if there's no resurrection, then we're done. Let's all just go home. Forget about all this. It doesn't matter if there's no resurrection. Why do I preach with such passion? Why do I do it with such urgency? Why do people need to hear the gospel message? Because Christ is risen. And everything that was in this book is true. And, uh, and by the way, that even means the bad things. But there is a hell. There is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. It's true. Romans 4, 24 and 25. But for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Look at verse number 33. And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem. Remember the reason they urged Jesus to come in and eat with them? The day's over. You need to come inside. Remember the story of the Good Samaritan? Look, you just don't want to be outside on the road. You don't want to be outside at nighttime. You might get mugged. Nothing good happens late at night. And these guys are so burned about this in their heart, they got up and they said, you know what, we got to go back on our journey. We got to get back to Jerusalem. We got to tell them that we saw him too. So they head on back. Adrian Rogers said, you might as well have told the sun not to shine as to tell these people not to witness about a risen Savior. And I just want to say, when, Christ is saved, uh, when a Christian is saved, the natural response for them is to go and tell others about Jesus. I can show you character after character in the Bible. I think about the woman at the well. This was a very unlikely candidate to become an evangelist. People didn't like her. People did not engage with her. She had a bad reputation. What did she do? All that, forget all that. Hey, everyone, come and see this man that told me everything about myself. I think about, I think about the, the, the maniac of Gadara. Talk about a ruined reputation. Nobody wanted to go within 10 feet of this, this maniac. <clears throat> Yet, he wanted to do something. And Jesus said, go and tell your family. Go and tell your friends. All right, I'm on it. Can you imagine him showing back up at home? Hey, mom, hey, dad. Standing upright, clothed in his right mind. What happened to our boy? Over and over again, when people had an encounter with Jesus Christ, they had to go tell somebody. They had to go share it with somebody. How is your passion for reaching people with Christ? I think it comes back many times to this earlier part. Did not our hearts burn within us? When it begins to burn within you, folks, you can't contain it. You can't keep it in. You got to find somebody to tell. Have you, have you grown indifferent 
about the gospel message? Have you grown indifferent about the word of God? How how do you approach it? Were you you more on fire days gone by than you are today? Are we getting cold? Are we drifting? Uh, Folks, we need to ask ourselves these questions. Uh, uh, You know, I challenge you. Share the good news with somebody. I challenge you. Get in the word of God. Let it change you. Let it transform you. Uh, Be not conformed to this world, but, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What is it that renews my mind? It's the word of God. By the washing of the water of the word. Yeah, Listen. You say, oh, well, those people down there, they're trying to brainwash you. Yes. By the washing of the water of the word, we all need a good brainwashing. We need a renewing of our mind. We need a burning in our soul. And we need to go and tell somebody about the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to let it change us. Acts 4.20. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. That was the answer of Peter when they said, don't you speak in this name anymore. We cannot but speak of the things which we've seen and heard. Folks, that's the difference that Christ makes in your life. This is the same Peter that would not stand up to a couple girls around a fire and he denied the Lord three times. He said, we'll obey God rather than men. We cannot but speak of it. Why? They've seen it. They've heard it. Folks, have you seen and heard Love what the psalmist said. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Hey, taste and see. Have you seen and heard? Have you experienced it? Have you, have you taken it in for yourself? Has it made a difference? I thank God about this story because then I'm done. These two men were discouraged. They were disheartened. They had lost hope. And what happens? Jesus meets them right where they're at on the road. He asks them questions. He shows them the scriptures. He takes us to this place. And folks, what a formula. What an example. Hey, let's get back to the word. Let's get back. What does the Bible say? And, and, and how can we fix this? How can we get back on the track of hope? Don't get so caught up in what you see or don't see or the expectations or, or, uh, or unmet expectations. Let's get back to the word. Let's get back to that point of hope and say, and say we, we need to get back on track. What happened? A complete 180, literally, as they turned around and went back to Jerusalem. There's now a burning. There's now a purpose. Let's now get back on track. Let's get back with the other disciples. Let's get back in church. Let's get back on fire for God. That's where it brought them. I don't know where you're at today, but I know this passage has moved my, my heart. And why don't we just take a moment and spend some time with the Lord this morning. Let's go ahead and bow our heads and... Uh, if you'd like to, you can even come to these steps as an old-fashioned altar. You can pray there at your seat. Folks, the propensity for all of us is to get cold, to become indifferent, for our hearts to drift, prone to wander, Lord, I fear it, feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Maybe we need a revival. We need a renewing of that burning within us. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, you know, truth be told, I've never been born again. I've never been saved. I've heard the stories of Jesus. I've been exposed to the Bible. But I've never responded to that invitation. Be careful now. Here's Jesus making as though his face as though he was going to pass by. Don't let him pass you by. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, he says. 
don't know if you've ever knocked on somebody's door several times. At some point, you give up when there's no answer. He made his face as though he's going to pass by. Don't let him pass you by. If you're here and you've not been saved, the Bible way, I'd love nothing more than to show you from the Bible how you can be saved. Say, preacher, would you pray for me? I want to know that I'm saved before it's too late. Anybody in the room, pray for me. I want to know that I'm saved before it's too late.